welcome to the Real Appeal Podcast. This is your host, Kelsey Loizel, and with me today is my co-host, Mark Salcedo. And Mark Salcedo. Okay. I just want you to know. Mm-hmm. You are an incredibly sensitive man who inspires joy, joy feelings in all of those around you. I like that. That high pitch. Joy, joy. <laughs> you can find us on Facebook <laughs> and Twitter and Instagram uh-huh. at The Real Appeal. Real with two E's. Uh, you can email us at therealappeal at gmail.com. Um, please review us on iTunes if you like us. But we're not desperate for you liking us. Now we are. Like us. Love us. We need that affection. <laughs> We've been isolated for so long. Love us. Human touch. Uh, the news. <laughs> That's our first segment. I know. We actually got news to talk about. Holy shit. Lately, it's just been like... Nothing is going whack, on. Or like not even really worth mentioning. But we actually have news to discuss this week. Uh, then we're doing our rebooting Westworld. Uh, what's the final episode? Yeah, the third... <laughs> The third season, yeah. yeah. The <laughs> yes, this is the season ender of rebooting Westworld for Westworld. Do you feel embattled? Embattled? What do you mean? Like you forgot what se- what season yeah. you were in, so yeah, you're feeling, like, oh man. Well, look, season one was memorable. Season two was memorable. So for some people, all the wrong reasons. For me, all the right reasons. Mm-hmm. This season was just like. All right, let's just find out how this is gonna end now. <laughs> okay, but well, yeah, we'll 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 let you guys know more when we get into our rebooting Westworld section. And our geriatric cinematic is Demolition Man. Yeah, <clears throat> Demolition Man. Yeah. Not the video game that I accidentally. <laughs> earlier. Yeah, <that> <laughs> I forgot there there was a Demolition video game. I think I might have played that game for like fifteen minutes and then like. Took it on my Sega Genesis and took it back to the to the video store. Really? Yeah. <laughs> um, the topic this week is Utopia in an Invisible Prison. Mm-hmm. So, Mark. Yes. You should talk about the news. I will. All right. So, if you guys haven't heard, uh, the Oscars will now allow VOD releases to qualify since the... Uh, Major theaters are closed. AMC, Regal, all that jazz. A lot of production has been pushed back. But so what happened was that the Academy announced that um, the 93rd Academy Awards is still set to air on February 20th. Sorry, February 28th, 2021. But given that there are no really theatrical release, they decided to kind of expand or I guess in my opinion, they're going to kind of open the floodgates now. Um, if your shit is VOD, and if it qualifies, then it's there. Uh, some of the qualifications for this is that... Um, let me see. Okay, so I, fi- I looked on the Oscars, the Academy's website. And what happens, what qualifies it, um, it says that it must be available on a secure... Uh, Academy Screening Room member-only streaming site within 60 days of the film's streaming or VOD release. So let's say, for example, Extraction, right? Mm-hmm. The Chris Hemsworth movie. Um, 
is released on on Netflix, and they go, "Hey, we want to put that in for best performance or something like that." They can just slide it in there, yeah, because it's been released for like a certain period of time, yeah, um, or within a sixty day window, if they you know, release it around around the Oscar season. Normally, Oscar season is closer towards like the end of the year, mm-hmm. um, but like that's when they're pushing like the more serious drama stuff like that. But that doesn't stop it. F- that doesn't stop other films from qualifying like during the summer season. Yeah, or, I think I don't remember what it was, but there were a few that were released early this year that were like that was actually really good. In, like, in 2020 or 2019? This year. Oh, really? Yeah, there were a couple that we've seen. Oh, 19 I I think 1917. We saw that beginning of January. Right? I think well, so. Yeah, well, but that's our that already won enough. That 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 guy got nominated and won and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So yeah. Um, so I, I honestly think that, um, like I said, this opens up the floodgates. Now there, there's been this long debate about should streaming be included? Anything streaming should be included for an Oscar run or anything like that. And I, I'm, I'm of the mind that if it's, if it's art, not if it's artistic, but if it's qualifying, you know, if it has all the, I don't know qualities of a great film it should definitely be nominated you know um the irishman was nominated uh marriage story was nominated uh a few years ago romo was nominated and all of those were on uh netflix Mm -hmm. um they did get a theatrical release because the way how the oscars work is um their rules uh before the whole shutdown happened was that there had to be a minimum of seven days for a theatrical run and it says uh, with at least three screenings per day for paid admission. But mm-hmm. that no longer is the case because fucking nothing's going to release now. For now. And then what? They're supposed to go back to the old ways when everything's open. I don't open. think you can go back to the old ways. Well, I thought I thought that I read that in here. I don't think you can go back to the old ways. I mean, even that's the thing. Even if you... Well, I know, I know the 93rd is supposed to be the final year for DVD screeners. Mm-hmm. Um... But I don't think you can really go back to the old ways once you get this open. Okay, what I saw was that the Academy will eventually issue a specific date when the rule of a qualifying uh, theatrical run goes back into effect. Okay. Um, but come on. That's, I, mean, I, I know, given the circumstances that we're in this whole pandemic and everything now, like you can find quality stuff on streaming. Mm-hmm. You know, like for example... Um, uh, what what did I see that was really good? That streaming only. Well, I mean, like I'll just I'll just say like Marriage Story. Marriage Story was a really great film, and it it was only pushed in the theaters because Netflix wanted to be nominated for an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Even if it never was nominated for an Oscar, it was still a bit of great. That doesn't diminish the quality of the film. And that's and that's why Netflix bought the Egyptian. Yeah, they bought the Egyptian out here in L.A. Um, they bought a landmark theater out in New York. I forget the name of the theater, mm-hmm. but they pretty much did that. So there could be no way that the Academy can say, well, it's never released in theaters or the Academy kind of like nudge, nudge AMCs or Regal to say like, Hey, don't put that stuff out there. Cause AMC has done that before too, where they won't release anything that is considered streaming because they feel like they're losing money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm all for this. I, I'm, I'm really stoked about this. I, really think it's a great idea i don't understand this whole it can't just be a streaming creation it's the thing like 
it's the old guard, you know? Like Spielberg saying, streaming is not cinema. That's yeah. kind of fucked up. Well, they, <laughs> they want you to have like that experience in theater, but mm. it's like, something now, especially nowadays, mm. people don't like going out. Like, not even just true. with what's going on, but I mean, like, like even me. Yeah. Like, if I don't have to go anywhere, mm. um, like, unless it's with you, obviously, but, like, there are people who have anxiety about going out in public places or, like, mm. I don't know. I don't think that you should have to leave your home to enjoy a movie. I don't even tell you. I don't even think it's just that. Um, I also think that... Uh, what also factors into people not going to the movies is obviously the ticket prices, the hassle. It's like $5 for a bottle of water. Oh, yeah, I know, right? And then, like, if you want to go... Like, I don't get me wrong. I still love going... I still love going to the movies. I still love yeah. seeing cinema. But I, I get a... I'm, I'm kind of... I can kind of go both ways. Like, if it's something that's dramatic... Okay, here we go. When it's something dramatic... And I don't want to wait for it to come on VOD or Blu-ray or streaming, whatever. I go to the theater because I'm just so eager to watch the movie. Like, I remember um, there was, a, like, you and I used to actually go out to Pasadena just to go see certain films. We still do that. Yeah, but, no, well, not, not now. Not now, but, like, yeah, before the lockdown, we go to Pasadena, we go to L.A., we've been to Burbank, we, we go everywhere. I yeah. think one time we went to, like, Santa Ana or, or Anaheim or something. Oh, yeah, we went to Santa Ana to go see Isle of Dogs. Yeah. We went all the way out there to see it, and that was because, like, that was the only place I was playing it at the time or something. Yeah. Um, but, like, for a big spectacle, I love going to the movies to watch that. Like, for example... Um, Infinity War. Uh, Infinity War, Endgame. That's a film that's like, I have to watch that on the big screen. 1917. I have to watch that big spectacle. On, on an big, IMAX fucking yeah, screen. Absolutely. Excuse me. Absolutely. Um, for, okay, Roma. Roma was released on Netflix, and I still went to the theaters to go see it. The only reason I actually went to the theaters to go see it is because um, I f saw this tweet by Edward Wright. Who said you have to see this movie in theater? It's beautiful. Da, da, da. And Edgar Wright, I mean, he's my like film brother and everything. You know, he just doesn't know it. <laughs> uh, but I went to go see it because he said go see it. And I, and I remember telling you, you need to go see this movie. It looks fucking amazing. Yeah. You know, or you know, we can go see Cats, <laughs> which we also saw in theater. Oh God, Jesus Christ! <laughs> um, we so, yeah. wanted the experience, you know. I. <laughs> I, I was just like, we gotta watch this because we gotta find out what the fuck everybody's talking about. And holy shit, I can't take back that time. <laughs> so, yeah, All that's right. about it. You wanna know something funny? Mm. We chose to do Demolition Man. <laughs> yes. And then what happens? Today, news got out that they're gonna do a Demolition Man sequel. <laughs> wow. You wanna take this over? Yeah. Um,. There was a recent Q&A um, with Sylvester Stallone on his Instagram account. Mm -hmm. um, and he says that there is currently a Demolition Man sequel in talks or like in development at Warner Brothers. But he didn't give that much anything else to the detail to that, did he? No. And the thing is, I don't know if it's just how he talks mm -hmm. or... Why did you watch the video? No, I didn't watch the video, but from the quote... Uh -huh. It's like, I think it is coming. We're working on it right now with Warner Brothers, and it's looking fantastic, so that should come out. That's going to happen. That sounds like Trump. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Is it coming or is it not coming? I know, I know. 
okay. But I mean, it is. Yeah. But like, okay. I that's the thing. I I can't even say that it. I'm not even really gonna get my hopes up. I mean, why would anybody get my hopes up? Why would anybody get their hopes up for a sequel to this movie? Um, but I'm not gonna really think that this movie is gonna get made until like production has started. Mm. Like they've chosen a director, they have the writer, and production starts this day, and we're on production day. Okay, yeah. Um, because this is not the first time that a Demolition Man sequel was rumored or thought to to be in uh, production. Mm. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Just that was pretty funny in timing, though. Yeah, it happened today. <laughs> All right, I'm on the fence about this uh, next one. Like, I, I, I'm kind of excited about it, uh, but at the same time, like, god damn it, it's not the guy that I wanted. Go on, go on. What, what's 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 uh, rustling your fettles, feathers, feathers, feathers? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Tiger King, the uh, documentary that everyone loves to hate, that fucking took over america mm-hmm. um everyone's been talking about there being like a limited tv series or whatever yeah or even a movie coming out yeah i think i think before the documentary dropped um there was already a movie in the works but it was at the the perspective of carol baskins mm-hmm. and that's supposed to start kate mckenna from snl oh so there's two different things yeah so this, this is, is different yeah so go on this is this is different okay so i would have loved michael keaton to be tiger king joe exotic yeah joe exotic mm. but nicholas cage is actually set to star in the tv series mm. it is his first time doing tv like in his it's career a, i think i think he's maybe guest starred if if so, I cannot think of anything he's popped up in. Um, what's interesting? What's really interesting about that is that the the people behind this is going to be the uh, the people behind American Vandal. And American Vandal was this Netflix mockumentary that came out. Man, about three was that years the one ago. with all the dicks? Yes, who drew the dicks? <laughs> so as soon as they saw that, I was like, "Yo, I'm fucking into this. I'm yeah. so into the fact that it's Nicolas Cage and the people behind." Um, American Vandal. I'm just like, yo, I'm so down for this now. Who is it that uh, Joe Exotic wanted to play him? I don't think it was Nick Cage. I think he wanted like Brad Pitt to play him. Oh yeah, shit. yeah. <laughs> everybody, everybody wants to be. Everybody wants Brad Pitt to play them. Even what's his name? I don't um, want Brad Pitt to play me. What's <laughs> what's what's the um, what's the guy who uh, who's on uh, the the surgeon doctor? Um, his Fauci. Oh, Dr. Fauci? Dr. Fauci, yeah. He wanted, I remember somebody had asked him, like, who would want to, who would he want to play him in a movie, like, based off his life? And he said, well, I would want Brad Pitt. And then. Why wouldn't he say, like, George Clooney? Well, I mean. Which probably would be a little bit of a better fit. Well, no, but see, that's the thing, because, you know, Brad Pitt's considered so handsome that people were just like, well, I want Brad Pitt to play me. I don't think he's handsome. Well, that's how some people view him. Um, I I think he got into a fight with the sun and he lost. Oh, my God. Um. I mean, on my on my part, I would want Donald Glover to play. No, Jeffrey Wright. I want Jeffrey Wright to play me in a biopic. Right? Basket himself. Basket himself. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, uh, on SNL, like uh, I think last week or two weeks ago, um, Doctor Brad Pitt came on SNL and he played Doctor Fauci, and it was actually pretty funny. Really? Yeah. Um, but it was funny. It wasn't. Like... Oh, I wasn't serious. No, no. Uh, so yeah. So what's what else is on the news on this on this uh, Joe Exotic movie? Or uh, scripted series. 
Um, well, you already said about American Vandal. Mm. Um, Brian Grazer and Sammy Kim Favre will executive produce. Who are they? Brian Grazer, uh, he produces like a lot of big uh, action films. Mm. Uh, he produced like a lot of like Ron Howard's action movies and stuff like that, and like Michael Bay films. So this might be like a really like balls of balls crazy series. I mean, plus it's, it's, it's Nicolas Cage. Um, who's Dan? So Dan Lagana is the American Vandal guy, and yeah. Paul Young. I don't know who Paul Young is. I looked him up. Apparently, Paul Young wrote music. I was just like, who? Okay. <laughs> um, but Lagana will be the writer, showrunner, and executive producer. Wow, I was wearing a lot of hats. Holy shit. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. Hopefully it turned out well. Yeah. Or it'll be a shit show and it'll be good, bad. You know what? It, oh, yeah. It's Nicolas Cage, so it'll be good, bad, or just good. <laughs> or maybe like super crazy good. Yeah. Or, you know, what? what is that um, that meme that people do where it's like neutral good or like... I don't know what you're talking about. You know, like they have like the little tiles and it's like um, chaotic evil or like chaotic good or... Like neutral good or oh uh, oh well you mean it's like four cross or something like mm-hmm. that okay I think I know what you're talking about yeah there's there something to that well I did explain it and then because you didn't know what I was talking about I forgot what I was saying okay well forget it <laughs> <laughs> we need to talk about Taika Waititi yes this news came out today on May the fourth be with you okay. <laughs> Let me just go ahead and just bear the lead. Taika Waititi is going to direct a Star Wars film. He's going to direct and co-write along with Chrissy Wilson. Uh, Chrissy, Chrissy Wilson Corrins, um, who she also co-wrote 1917. I want to tell the story of how I found this out, or my mood when yeah. I found this out. Christy Wilson Cairn. Thank you. So I woke up this morning, grabbed my phone, looking Facebook, Instagram. May the 4th be with you. May the 4th with, be with you. And I was like... Man, fuck that movie that just yeah, came out. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just like, I'm not fucking feeling it. I'm just not fucking feeling it. Like, there was a moment where I thought, holy shit, I think Star Wars is dead to me. Because I'm just not fucking feeling it. <laughs> and then um, the people over at Star Wars, you know, they got a phone call. And they were like, hey, yo, Mark's not feeling it. So let's go in and drop some news for him. And then all of a sudden the news came out that Taco with TT's directing Star Wars. And I was like, yay, <laughs> my hope is restored. I only just got it right now uh-huh. that they dropped the Star Wars news on May the 4th. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> it's perfect timing. I know, but I didn't put you didn't two put two Oh my God. They're <laughs> like, oh, they released it today. Hmm, that's kind of weird. What's today? Why is everyone posting all the Star Wars stuff? <laughs> I mean, I got that. Yeah. I just, well, it didn't click about the news, though. Gotcha. So, yeah, it was announced that Takawa Titi is directing and co-writing along with Chrissy Wilson. How do you say her last name again? Karens. Karens. Thank you. They're going to be uh, working together to put a feature film uh, for the big screen. Um, Takawa Titi has just come off. Well, not just come off, but... He, Recently, he won an Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay for Jojo Rabbit. Um, he's done work on The Mandalorian. He's directed, mm-hmm. I think, like one or two episodes. Um, oh, we knew which one it was that he did, too, because 
What was that one episode where um, the two stormtroopers or whatever? Oh, yeah, that comedy? Yeah, Yeah, they were, like, like, on the fucking, what are those bike On the uh, speedsters. Speedsters, yeah, Yeah. and they have the baby, and they're, like, you gotta watch it or whatever. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) and one of them punched it, and I was just like, that's totally a Taco Atiti episode. I actually kind of thought this was, um, oh, also, uh, Chrissy Wilson Karens, uh, she also wrote uh, Last Night in Soho. Uh, which hasn't come out yet so we don't know if it's good or not but we yeah we have hope for it yeah um what who's leslie headland because that uh that person's also doing shit for star wars yeah she's also uh producing a star wars series for disney plus um yeah she's behind uh russian russian dolls and you love that show. i love that show that was a great show Um, i wonder if that is supposed to come back russian doll yeah it's supposed to well, I mean, everything's kind of on hold, and I don't think that they're going to not do a second season. I mean, because that was a big hit for Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> well, because everyone's so evil inside. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, what was I getting at about this? Oh, I, I, I think this is actually kind of funny, because uh, over the weekend, I finally watched um, Hunt for the Wilder People, which I believe is Watiti's maybe third film? And I've been I've been hearing that like it's a great film. It's you know it's funny. It's kind of, it's caring. It's like it has like it's a it's a Takawatiti film. And I was just like okay. And I've seen his first film I saw, which is called Eagle vs. Shark, which is independent New Zealand film that's really hilarious. And then um, what we do in the shadows, and then which, you know which what Mark Hamill's in that. Oh yeah, he's gonna be in the second season. You know what? You know what? I caught up to. I I watched the first season. I gotta catch up this season. Yes, Mark Hamill. Oh, I didn't watch it. I need to watch it. You need to watch it, especially like, um, especially like the second or third to last episode. They do like this whole vampire vampire console thing, mm-hmm. and no lie, they bring up a lot of like vampires from other TV. Um, like TVs and uh, movies and shit mm-hmm. like that. But it's not like like Nosferatu. No, 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 no. Like no lie blade shows up <laughs> and it's wesley snipes but and these are people who actually play these characters really so it was wesley snipes yeah it was really wesley snipes like another like and a couple of things is like they refer to him as like like for example blade they don't say like oh blade they say oh wesley hasn't been here yet and we're like oh yeah that's totally blade you know yeah and at one point uh they make a mention that like oh has brad and tom showed up <laughs> well they're gonna be very busy and brad and tom mean uh brad pitt and tom cruise from interview with the vampire yeah it's so fucking hilarious i used to love that movie yeah you should definitely check out that show um yeah but of course this news came out uh a few months ago it was rumored that watiti was going to direct a film and he came on Twitter and he was just like, no, nah, that's all bullshit. That is all bullshit. <laughs> and then, no lie, today on Twitter, he announced, I guess that wasn't a rumor. Psych! And I was like, oh, I love that man. <laughs> <laughs> and now you know Star Wars isn't really dead to you. You were oh. just, you know, you were having a little lover's quarrel. I wasn't having, look, I mean. Look, if, they, they, you grew apart. Mm-hmm. We need a time apart. You need a time apart, but you grew apart. Like, mm. it went in a different direction. It wasn't the franchise mm. that you fell in love with. And now it's like, okay, I don't want to lose you just yet. So, Let's it's, do you know, it's going to make another movie with someone that you like who, mm. you know, to try to bring you back. Try to, like, rekindle that romance between you. Yeah, what TT is going to do it. I mean, this dude, this dude made Thor. A, like I gave Thor a really good movie. 
Like, yeah, Love and Thunder still has to come out. Yeah, like I'm the, excited for that one. It sounds exactly, ridiculous. Love exactly, and Thunder. Exactly. Like, but you saw Ragnarok. You love Ragnarok. Ra- sorry, Ragnarok. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, we there is the first Thor there. I was like, kinda all right. And then I like, Thor the Dark World is very forgettable. Mm-hmm. And um before they even did uh Ragnarok, Chris Hemsworth was even debating about if I should even come back to this her- character because they're not doing them right. Mm-hmm. And then what they did, everybody fucking loves that movie. Yeah. So I, I honestly think that um if they're gonna go out the gate with Watiti in the Star Wars film. It might be a fucking bright future. Yeah. So. I agree. So, yeah. It's going to be it for our new segment. Um, yeah. Let's get into rebooting Westworld. Bring yourself back online. This episode is called Crisis Theory. Uh, it's directed by Jennifer Getzinger. I've seen her name somewhere before. Jennifer she might Getzinger? Have, I think she might have done another episode this season. Uh, most likely. Um, has everybody in it that you already love and know? Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't you uh, kick it off with your brilliance? Uh, Jennifer, we say Getzinger? Getzinger. She directed, uh, looks like she directed several episodes of Jessica Jones. That's the good one or the the good season or the bad season? Uh, I don't know. I've only finished the first season, so I don't know how that second or third season turned out. I didn't even watch the third season. Oh, Jesus. All right. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm good. <laughs> oh, she's done where her fly the Concords. Right on, right on. Oh, she's script supervisor. Right on, right on. Uh, okay, so just kind of give you guys a heads up. We're going to spoil the shit out of it because season finale, if you don't want to listen, go ahead and skip ahead. So whatever. That's why we give you the times, because, you know, we care about your feelings. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't like him sarcastically saying, no, we don't. Yeah, no, I generally had to cough. Okay, so this, which was caught me off guard, this episode is like an hour and a half long. And I was like, holy Isn't shit. Isn't that common practice? Um, I guess, yeah, for Westworld, well, I would have to say yes. For Westworld and um, Game of Thrones. And HBO in general. Not er- <clears throat> not everything, but it, I mean, they do it kind of. Yeah, especially if it's like a show that's maybe like so dense or so filled with characters, mm-hmm. they tend to like really just go ahead and just push it, all of it out in the last season. The yeah, last they, put, they push all of it out. Yeah. Make it sound like poop. Yeah, this episode. I mean, it wasn't necessarily poop, but it was whatever. All right, so <laughs> uh, so yeah, we start off where um, you know at the end of last week's episode, Caleb has gotten. Uh, Dolores' pearl and he takes it back and while he's on his way back there's like the rioting inside of LA has gone like has grown a lot there's chaos everywhere to the point where where they show the what's the name of the machine? Rehoboam they show the display of it and like there's divergence all over the fucking place like just anarchy everywhere yeah Um, all at the same time um, what's his name? Will has the drop on Bernard and Stubbs saying, I'm going to kill everyone. I'm so tired of Will. You know, I'm going to kill all these hosts, blah, blah, blah. He shoots Stubbs. Him and Bernard get into a fight. Um, and then during the fight, like, SFP, um, SFPD shows up, which kind of, okay. They show up, and one person pops off his mask, and it's fucking Lawrence. 
Lawrence mm-hmm. from season one and two. And I was like, holy shit, it's Lawrence. All right, cool. And he has Bernard this case. Obviously, um, there was a hint that Dolores, what well, wasn't much of a hint. There was another Dolores out there. We used to know who. We find out it's Lawrence. They don't like explicitly say it, but Bernard pretty much goes like, oh, you're Dolores. And yeah. Said, <laughs> and he says something like, whatever, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> And like that's it. Like and away he goes. No more Lawrence. I was actually really irritated with that scene. Why? Because Bernard and Will are really getting into it. Yeah, Bernard's turned into he's he's put he's pressed the button where he's like in fighting mode. Yeah, he's like remember yourself. Yeah. Then he's like, okay, I'm a badass, which mm. is really sexy that way. Oh yeah. And then. <sighs> what? <laughs> Fuck. If you're going to be on someone's side, mm. don't be annoying and get in the middle of their fight. Oh, you mean uh, Lawrence? Yeah. Mm. Like, he's handing him this case. Like, mm. here, I'm not here to fucking arrest you or kill you or anything. Yeah. Like, here. Mike. But he, like, stopped him in the middle of the thing. Like, he was going to fucking kill him. And then Will gets away. Like, like I know Will is of no consequence to Dolores. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. I just thought that was really irritating. It's like. I my question is how did how did Lawrence know that Bernard and Stubbs and Will were out there in the middle of nowhere? Well, they seem to be tapped into something because I, she keeps talking to people and negotiating rent and all kinds of shit. Yeah, but like there was no hint that like Dolores was like, oh, Bernard's going to be like nothing. It was just like boom, boom. They're connected. Also, oh, explain that to me, please, because none of that happened in the show. I mean, she he said that they were connected and he knew something was different later on. Mm, OK, we'll get into that. Um, so, yeah. So Lawrence hands Bernard this case. And this is the case that uh, Soto had given to his men and said, make sure it gets to Berlin. Kind of like showing that Lawrence was in Berlin. Now that case is in uh, Bernard's hand. And we'll get into that a little bit later. Um so we actually get a reveal of park five. Um, they've kind of like given hints of what each park is. One is actually Westworld. Another park is uh, Shogun World. Another park is... Uh, like Medieval World or something? Oh, it's no, I think it's supposed to be War World, but that might have just been Ciroc's doing. No, uh, but there was one with like... That's, like... that's Taj World, like the Taj Mahal. No, like kings and queens and like castle shit. I saw in the first oh. season. Oh, Oh, I think you can remember. I I know there. I know there is. Um, I don't remember that. But to to give evidence to what you're saying, uh, remember, uh, what's it called? DB Weiss and David Benioff were on this season of Westworld, and they had they had Drogo the dragon with them. Mm-hmm. So that gives that gives gives credence that like yes, there is a medieval world. I thought I could have swore there was because they were wearing like the long the gowns that looked velvet and shit. I don't remember that. Um, okay, so Park 5 was used for, like, military hostage, 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 thank you, <laughs> practice drills. And that's where Caleb encountered Dolores the first time. Which, okay, we're seeing that connection there. Cool. Which neither of them really remembered, I don't think. Dolores did remember, but Caleb didn't. But Caleb's mind is, like, scrambled as fuck. Yeah. So, that's, yeah, that's not helping at all. Uh, so Caleb brings Dolores Pearl to a secret location where she has a backup body and he puts the pearl inside the body and Dolores comes alive. Now this scene, I actually thought this scene was really cool and the special effects looked cool because you see like Dolores is like skeletal, like, um, 
like the metal parts and everything. Yeah, her like her structure. Yeah, you see her structure, but like you see her, you see um, ever what's her, her head and her like collarbones. Yeah, you see Evan Rachel Wood just talking, and it's weird, but it looks it looks pretty cool. It's well, kind of I was okay with that, but I thought it was weird when he put the pearl inside of her face. How her face was all weird oh, like expanded open and stuff yeah. like that. You know, I don't think there's ever no. Actually, they have they have shown uh, hosts kind of like expanding their face out in past episodes. Yeah. So, because when I saw, it, I was just like, "Wait, have they done that before?" And yeah, they have. <laughs> so, so Dolores is like actually calling out uh, Caleb. No, Caleb is calling up Dolores. Like, you know, you're starting this war. You're trying to end all this stuff. Or what is your plan? You know, like what is your purpose? And Dolores is like, "Don't worry about my shit. I know what the fuck I'm doing." And don't like don't question my motive. I won't question yours. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, okay, so then we Maeve is still working with Sorak. I feel so annoyed by this. I really like. I feel like they fucked up Maeve in this season they did like she has absolutely no reason to help him and if she was able mm-hmm. like you know she's able to like what control like control things like yeah, electronics control and yeah. stuff if she was and i can i tell talk about the button thing yeah we'll talk yeah go ahead it's not it's a big the whole premise of her working with Sirak is because he has an ability to stop her yeah, like, with like a remote. With like a remote. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it's scary enough to her that she doesn't bother. Mm-hmm. But like, she like easily breaks the fuck out of it and is like, n- she makes a choice. Mm. You know, and it's like, why, like, why was this a big thing? I know, right? Why didn't, why didn't she decide what side she wanted to be on sooner? And you got a sense that she wanted to be on Sorak's side. Mm. And there's absolutely no reason why she should. There, Like, he's not going to give her her daughter back. Yeah, it's like, there's no reason for her to believe him that he's, because he promised that he's going to have, he's going to help her connect back with her daughter. But there's no reason to trust this guy like, at all. And she's witnessed this like several times. And she's still like, okay, I'll trust him. And she she somehow gets the ability to destroy the remote. It's just like, why did you not do that before? What was so different? Right. So that's a that happens later on, but that's very poo poo. Like we had to bring it up like now. Yeah. Okay. So after that, um, Dolores and uh, okay, so Dolores and Dolores uses the Rico app to hire mercenaries uh, to carry to pretty much bring her and Caleb to um the delos company and you had an issue with that yeah i had it you did okay so i'll 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 explain my issue and but your reason made a lot of sense and i was just like all right it's not really an issue it's just an issue with me so she so dolores like hires these mercenaries to bring in she hires them through the rico app to like help them get through like this whole rioting and to kind of like maybe fight off any goons or whatever that sorak is gonna have coming after him and i looked at i remember i looked at you and i was just like why didn't she just hire people for the Rico app before? Like, I don't know when they hit, when they like came over that compound. Yeah. And my whole thing was up until that point, she was mostly trying to be covert. Mm-hmm. She didn't need mercenaries. Yeah. And then, and then also after that, when they got to the compound, she was still trying to get Caleb on, on a set side. path. Yeah. Like, so it's more personal for it to just be her and she could handle herself anyway. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, so they're going through the city and then Charlotte appears. Uh, she ends up hacking Dolores' contacts and Charlotte, is, she's be- she's like 
cleaned up. Like she's no longer burnt skin or anything like that. And she tells, uh, except for one arm. Yeah, but that's not until like later. Like they show that that one arm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Charlotte tells her like, "Hey, um, I'm on a different path. I'm gonna do my own thing now." She's she's pretty much sending her like a, a dear John letter. Yeah. Hey, it was really great, but we're not gonna work out. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, one thing that did really bother me, and it, they, it seemed like they spent the whole season doing this. Um, it seemed like this Charlotte was really connecting with her family, mm-hmm. with her son, and I don't know if, and if that's her ex-husband or just her baby daddy or whatever. So they were establishing like this this human-like connection with which this made Charlotte. the character more real. Like yeah. you felt for her you wanted her to win yeah and then what ends up happening is that charlotte tells dolores that like those people who are like she calls out dolores saying like hey my family's dead because of you because you made me go back there and dolores apologized and then charlotte goes like no it's okay they were holding me down and i'm just like whoa like wait what the fuck i thought you were building up this whole like human connection like what the fuck happened to that yeah like it's gone it's weird because it's not like she she basically turned into a host. She didn't yeah. turn into like any type of sentient like mm. I understand and I'm actually free thinking. It was very much like I reverted into a fucking robot. Yeah, and yeah. I and I and I know that was an issue with um with some of this season like cuz in the first and second season you really got no inkling that Charlotte even had a family. You thought she was just like an all business person mm-hmm. and then they introduced this family into the third season and i felt like they were really building up to like charlotte like the charlotte character should have some type of emotions or you should be able to like you said connect with her but then they just like threw that all the way at the end and, and it's just kind of like well then what the fuck were you doing then why did you have any of why this? did you waste our time making us care about somebody that was just going to turn into her original self yeah it'd be totally anyway yeah it'd be totally different if like Maybe, like, they kill Charlotte. I mean, they kill Dolores, and then that affects Charlotte, and then Charlotte's now on this tear to, like, destroy humanity and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it's just like, no, we just interject this. We inject this family to give her the reason, but there was really no reason to have it in there other than for that reason. Yeah. That wasn't a valid. Anyways. Hmm. If, if Dolores is supposed to be, like, trying to save humanity... Yes. Why is Charlotte like I'm on a different path? Because wouldn't I would say that if her <clears throat> kind of boyfriend and her, their son mm. died, yeah, she would do whatever she could to save other people because she knows that type of love exists. Yeah, and save them from like the tyranny of like Ciroc or something like that. Yeah, from like Ciroc or Dolores. Yeah, you know because. Dolores, I don't know, because Dolores is supposed to be saving humanity, but she's also throwing them like into fucking chaos, chaos and like making sure they die. Mm. So like their own motives within the show kind of don't make sense. Yeah, it keeps it goes flip it, it flip flops and everything. They try to like rectify that with Dolores near the end, where there's that conversation between her and Maeve. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, like there they, there was so much going back and forth with these characters. They were just like, okay, I don't know which. I think that's why I'm getting annoyed by it because I'm just like, you're going back and forth. Like I don't care. Look, you I'm took to- you took too long to get to the point and mm. to introduce this path for a couple of the characters, mm. and now we kind of don't care. We just want to move on to the next season. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, so back to where we're at. Dolores and Caleb split. The mercenary, the mercenaries take Caleb. And Dolores and Maeve, 
encounter each other and they fight again. Um, this fight wasn't as impressive as last week's episode. It was still pretty cool because you were seeing like the host really going at it. Like they were punching and flying across and stuff like that. Plus Dolores was like, okay, you can't chop my arm off now. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. She tried to chop her arm off again yeah. and her blade got stuck. Yeah. Cause like the, the, the structure she uses more like metal. Like it's not as easy as like cut to yeah, cut through like bone. It's yeah, it's not human. Yeah. So oh, I never think I just thought about that right now. She had that backup body because she knew this shit was gonna happen, and she was like, "Yo, I want to make sure my body is like structured to take this." Punishment. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so there's this fight and everything, and then Ma- Dolores is like, "Why are you helping Sorak?" You know, she's saying this to Maeve, and Maeve is just like, "I have to do this." Blah blah blah. Um, and Dolores kind of like really drops some knowledge on her, saying that. I'm a part of you like I'm a part of all these other hosts because she Dolores was like the first one. So there's every there's always a little bit of program from Dolores in every single host after. And that kind of like makes Maeve kind of lose her shit to the point where like Dolores is like kicking her ass now. Yeah. Um, So during that fight, Charlotte shows up again and goes, hey, I'm shutting you down. And then shuts her down. (laughs) She, so, yeah, so Dolores tells, uh, not Dolores, uh, Charlotte tells Dolores, um, my family's dead, they're awake, now you're awake, and I'm cutting you off, and then she shuts her down, which, I don't know, really find a reason why she had to do all that, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so then Maeve takes up uh, Dolores, and that's like the last we see him for a little bit. Uh, so there was at one point where Caleb is trying to get through this rioting, through all this chaos and everything. And at one point, the riot, um, <laughs> the Chekhov's mech shows up again, <laughs> fires a tear gas, and that dude Giggles shows up. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the dude's name? Giggles, played by uh, Marshawn Lynch. I uh, his Him coming into the scene was pretty badass. Yeah. He like jumped and caught that tear gas, like bam, and threw it back. And I thought, I was like, damn, I wish I could fucking do that. <laughs> so he shows up. Uh, Why does that name sound familiar? Is he a Marshawn football Lynch? player? Marshawn Lynch? Yeah. I have no idea. That sounds like a football player. Why? Because his name is Marshawn Lynch. Don't know. <laughs> uh, let me look up what they do. Let me see what... Oh, shit. Oh, okay. Is he a football player? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> yeah. I thought he sounded familiar. I mean, I don't... Religiously follow football, but <laughs> well, you shut my mouth, damn. <laughs> yeah, he's a uh, running back for the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> I guess that's why he can catch that shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so he shows up along with uh, Lena Waithe, um, played by uh, oh, sorry, Ash, who played by Lena Waithe, and uh, they're helping Caleb get there. Um, Giggles gets shot. Caleb gets in the machine. Oh, Caleb gets in the he gets into the. Uh, police thing that floats or whatever it's like a helicopter yeah and he gets into uh the Ciroc Ciroc's building insight yeah insight thank you gets inside insight and there's like this little f- I I feel like they I feel like this episode they were like we gotta give everybody a fight scene because Caleb fights this dude his name's like his character's name is Sebastian the actor's name is I kind of think of it right now um but they fight and there's like it's like it's kind of like a sad fight I kind of thought they did him kind of dirty. Who, Caleb? Or the Caleb. He did what? him dirty because, like, I really love Aaron Paul. Yeah, the dude's a great actor, yeah. And 
Like, after he was in Breaking Bad, and he mm. was kind of, like, kind of whiny, but, mm. well, like, not to the point of being really annoying. Mm. Like, I kind of like him being in this kind of role where he doesn't know his own power, mm. but he could totally step into it and be a badass, right? Okay. And they kind of put him in a couple of situations where he could step into the badass part. And start owning shit and, like, really affecting change. Mm. And instead, they turn him into a fucking wimp. Oh, this one? Yeah. Yeah, he seemed to be kind of being... Like, they didn't... He It never came to fruition. Like, mm. he never got to step into that role of... I'm your your leader. I'm the savior. I'm the leader. I'm... I'm like, I'm, I'm gonna make John sure... John Connor. Yeah, basically. Yeah, you know what... Yeah, I can see. I I get what you're saying because like there were like a series of flashbacks during the season that showed that Caleb was in the military. He was at one point maybe a mercenary. That he was part of the he that he used the Rico app. He would do kidnaps and murders and stuff like that. So it seemed like this dude had talent for handling stuff in the situation. And this one, it was just kind of like him just kind of being dragged by his um. What's that term where you're like pulling somebody as they're kicking and screaming? Marionette? Oh, oh. Yeah, like he's like Dolce pulling him kicking and screaming and stuff like that. And yeah. he really didn't have a shine to be like a total badass. Even like that part with the genre episode where he's like shooting, mm-hmm. but he's like not aiming correctly or he's missing yeah. his shots and stuff like that. So yeah, there was, I guess this scene was supposed to have him be like, oh, he's a badass, but he kind of he got his ass kicked and he only won by accident. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So. And then, and then, yeah continue we'll continue the caleb thing in a minute okay um oh so uh during this time i forgot to mention so um when lawrence showed up and it gave bernard this case he also gave him an address saying like go here she's expecting you and that part was that part intrigued because i was like well who the fuck is he gonna see now mm-hmm. and he shows up this address and it's um when he shows up it's lauren uh arnold's ex-wife but she's aged and she's played by uh jenny torres or Gina Torres, sorry. Um, and they have this really heartfelt conversations uh, about their son Charlie. At one point, you're at one point. I was thinking that maybe she doesn't recognize him. That this is maybe Arnold. Mm-hmm. But at one point, she's like, she calls him Arnold. Yeah. So I don't know if she's like, if she fully has her faculties to be like, this is not really Arnold, or I'm just thinking this is Arnold. Yeah. So I'm gonna talk to him like this. And it's this really good heartfelt moment where it reminded me that like Jer- Jeffrey Wright is a goddamn good actor. And so is she. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I really liked her in Hannibal. Oh, that one was so fine, too. My mm-hmm. God. Lawrence Fishburne, what the fuck happened, dude? <laughs> anyway. Wait, Wait, they were together in real life? Yeah, they were married. They had, I think they had like maybe a couple of kids together. Before or after Hannibal? Uh, before they must Hannibal. still be friends. Uh, I think they split up after Hannibal. Oh, but they had they had kids way before Hannibal. Like they've been married for years. Hmm. Um, yeah, but it's this really touching moment because um, Arn Bernard tell, tells her like sometimes I still hear his voice. I still hear you know he's referring to Charlie, their son. And it was a really good moment because it was finally a moment for like um, I keep wanting to call him Bernard. <laughs> it was a moment for Jeffrey Wright to really like act because this dude, like I said, you love him in Basket. I love him in everything else mm-hmm. other than Basket because he's shit. Nah, no, no. you lie. <laughs> it was good, um, but yeah, it, it, I I think this I think this is the moment where like he his perspective changes on Dolores that he doesn't see that Dolores is trying to end humanity but possibly save it. Mm-hmm. 
want to add anything to that? Because I feel like I've been talking. No, 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 no. I've been interjecting. Yeah, I know. But anything you want to add to this scene? Um, you know what? I thought it was really heartfelt. I'm, I was actually kind of irritated a little bit, though, too. Because uh, here's again, like, the whole time Bernard, Bernardold, Bernardold. <laughs> yeah. Has been, like, going around the world chasing nothing. Like, you don't really yeah, know where true. the fuck he's going or what he's doing, really. None of it makes any sense. Yeah. And Dolores, like, they keep telling him, like, you're part of Dolores's plan. And neither one of his personalities really knows what the fuck anyone's talking about when mm. they say that. And so he gets handed this case and then he has to go see his ex-wife. And then, like, for what? To have this heartfelt conversation about his son charlie mm. and like it's like okay so why what like mm. why is he doing that why isn't whoever like the writers of the show mm. why didn't they give him a purpose i i no lie i've heard that complain a lot about this season like the fact that like jeffrey wright doesn't have a whole lot to do he has nothing, yeah. And it, and it makes complete sense. I've heard a complaint about, uh, also about, um, uh, Maeve. Not, no, not Maeve. Um, fuck. The actor's name, the guy who plays Will. I'm just blanking on names. Well, Will, though. Huh? But Will. But Will. I said, but Will. You mean Will. Yeah. Uh, Ed Harris. I'm, I'm blanking on names today. I don't, I don't know why. Um, a lot of people have mentioned that like Ed Harris seems like he hasn't been given a whole lot or he's struggling with mm-hmm. his character in this in this season. No, um, there he's like a fucking ping pong. Oh, absolutely. He's just going back and forth and like <sighs> saying shit like fighting words here and fighting <laughs> words there and like. Yeah. And like and trying his hardest to like deliver them. Yeah. Like, OK. <laughs> All right, so we come back to um, where uh, Caleb is at. Maeve comes in and it's just like, nah, boy, like you're trapped. Like, that's it. Dolores tricked you. All that kind of stuff, right? Mm. And then we get that reveal. I think this reveal was poorly executed, but we get the reveal that Ciroc has not really been in control the entire time. Mm-hmm. That it's it's kind of been the machine. What, what did you say about this? Because I was just like, what? About what? Well, remember how the whole Ciroc reveal that the fact that the machine has been controlling him. But you went into better detail than I could. Oh, I, I just thought it was, it didn't make sense. I don't remember exactly what I said, though. Oh, yeah, because he has like that thing in his ear and it's ta- it's telling him what to say. Yeah, they didn't give you any sense that that was something that was going on. And I think they wanted it to be a huge reveal, but it mm. kind of fell flat. Yeah. Because... Um, it looked like it was like a battery in his ear. And yeah, it looked like a little watch battery. <laughs> Maybe it was like the watch batteries from Watchmen. <laughs> um, it, the Rehoboam like could talk, but chose to use Sorak instead. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It, what I, Oh, I remember what I said. Okay. You were wondering, I think, at what point that became a thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know. I guess in the storyline, it kind of makes sense because... They created Rehoboam, and mm. then after he trusted it enough to put his brother away, yeah, he essentially let Rehoboam take over. Like he, it must have made a strategy for him. Yeah, and part of that strategy was that it would talk through him and like basically use him as a puppet. Yeah, yeah. And um, 
Maeve, Maeve catches to this, catches on to this, and she even says that, like, oh, you're just a puppet. Yeah, she says, like, you're a puppet. And so um, Rehoboam actually, I think, became sentient itself and wasn't exactly as benevolent or, like, not benevolent, but, like, um, what's the word? Like, clear Neutral. Neutral, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. It wasn't as neutral as he was thinking that it was. I think it was um, manipulating him. Yeah, and maybe it... Maybe it had it had more of a sense of like survival, yeah. Kind of like you know what, kind of like how nine thousand, how yeah. nine thousand yeah. was trying to survive and kind of was doing all these things to survive. So there we go with that reference again. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so uh, Dolores is connected to the machine. They're trying to find the key to the Sublime, and they're like deleting all her memories. Yeah, um, we're gonna delete all of your memories. Yeah, until we find it. And I'm thinking. Like, how do you know you're not deleting an important memory that she hid it somewhere in while you're looking for the memory? Uh, that that crossed my mind. Like, <laughs> so Maeve, Maeve like sits next to Dolores and she like touches her hand and they have like this pretty cool conversation. Um, like in the blink of an eye. Yeah, in the blink of an eye. Like they have this conversation where like it seems like Dolores, Dolores is kind of like in this blissful state and everything. And she tells Maeve, like Maeve was just like, just give them what they want. Why trying to kill humanity? And she says, like, and she pretty much reveals that I'm not trying to destroy humanity. What I'm trying to do is set them free, um, because they've had enough beauty in their heart to create us, the host. That I'm sure that through this chaos, they will continue. They will create beauty again. In some of their stories too, right? Like yeah. she was talking about their world, like when they made Westworld and they found it. Yeah, absolutely. So pretty to see all the mountains and things like Yeah, and how like she had love for her father. Yeah. And how like Maeve had love for her daughter. Mm-hmm. How Dolores fell in love with uh what's this? With Teddy. Teddy and all that kind of stuff. So that so it that's when we kind of get more reveal that like okay so she's not really trying to destroy it. she just wants to set them free and chaos like it's like the sense of like knock everything down to clean everything up yeah it's gonna get worse before it gets better yeah exactly um, so then Dolores the last of her memory gets taken away into the robot the robot or holbum Rehoboam thank you I'm never gonna say that I'm so glad like can't you say ra ra hobo ra hobo um Rehoboam Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm not going to say it right the next time. I already know. <laughs> Don't care. Last season. I was <laughs> the third season ended. Um, so then finally, um, when this happens, Maeve is like, yo, I'm not cool with this now. And then that's when yeah, she, she's like, oh, my, she died. <laughs> yeah. Well, whoops. <laughs> so Maeve like destroys the remote that's controlling her or that, that can stop her. And there's like this cool, like little slow motion lights coming in and out where Maeve is like full on like ninjutsu mood. I like that everything. scene. Like it was cool how they shot that. Yeah. Like the only thing that was really lighting the room was like the, the, the fire, the shots. Yeah. The fired. flares from the, from the gun or whatever. Is it flare? When they're flashes. Flying? Flash. Thank you. Flash from the gun. Lights turn back on, and Caleb's like, okay, I, I'm going to let you explain, because I'm still kind of confused about the whole Caleb telling the machine to, to shut down. Okay. I, and I think it's kind of a stretch. Mm. But your question was, how did um, how did they know that that was going to work? Yeah. That they could shut Rehoboam down this way. Yeah. So what happened was... Um, Caleb was able to execute the final order, yeah. which, you know, you told Rehoboam, like, 
Caleb got control over Rehoboam, and Sirach didn't couldn't couldn't hear Rehoboam in his ear anymore. Yeah, and it didn't listen to him, and it didn't respond to him. Mm. And Caleb's like, I have control over it. Okay, so well, so like, how did you get control over yeah. it? Right. So when they were in the compound, and he was talking to Solomon. Yeah. Um, Dolores was there. Okay. And Caleb had control over Solomon at that point. Okay. Dolores's last memory before they deleted her memory mm-hmm. completely mm. was Caleb having control over Solomon. Mm-hmm. So when Dolores's memory was like uploaded, uploaded into yeah, that, her home, that last piece of memory, then it was like, oh, he has control. Okay. So he was able to lock Sirach out. Okay, but okay, I get. I get that process, but I, I don't understand how that memory is like telling is able to tell that machine, "Oh, Caleb's in control now." Right, like that. I mean, and that part doesn't really make sense. That's <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying. It's a yeah. stretch. Yeah. And also, that machine is supposed to be super fucking smart. That it's actually supposed to be. Like it's actually a, supposed to be smarter than than Solomon. Yeah, and that seems like a really dumb flaw. Like, yeah. not a man-made flaw. Like, it should have overcome that already. Yeah. I, I, I honestly thought that, like, when that last bit of piece of memory was going to get uploaded into the machine, I thought it was going to be something where, like, Dolores is control of it. Well, you know, no. I, well, I thought that, too. But then I thought she had embedded, like, a virus of some sort into herself. And that's what, like, how... What At what was, point did that happen? Well, no, I was I was saying because... Oh, that's like you trying to... Are you, is I that was you trying to make... Hurt? Yeah, I was trying to make sense... Yeah, mental hurdles Of, and like, shit. what they were trying to do because they were trying to find the key or whatever, but I mm. thought maybe instead she'd be like, oh, I have the key, but instead she would try to, like, mm. bring it down by uploading a virus. Yeah. But also being a martyr, you know? And because yeah. you see that flash from Rehoboam and you mm. see it flash and they're like, what was that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And they never really explain what it is, mm. but you kind of get a sense that something's wrong with Rehoboam. Yeah. But nothing's wrong with it. I guess it's just it flashing over from Sirach to Caleb. Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah. I feel like they might have wrote themselves in the corner with that one. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah. Uh, then yeah. So now all of a sudden, Caleb is some kind of leader. Yeah. Some, I guess. <laughs> I like that. I guess. Uh, so yeah, the machine shuts down because Caleb said so. He's like, "Hey, turn shit off." Yeah, turn he's like, off. "Execute the final order, like Star Wars, the yeah. final order." I don't know. <laughs> it sounds like a Star Wars thing to say. I think that's a Star Trek thing. No, that's the um. What's the the name of the law? That's like the ultimate law or something. Oh, you mean the one that's on Star Trek um, that they can't like interfere with yeah. other cultures? I know what you're talking about, but that's not. It's not called the Final Order. I know, but it sounds yeah, like I, similar. I'm about to say it's like the Geneva Convention, but that's, that's <laughs> totally not it. <laughs> no, that's a law that we have right now. Yeah, that nobody listens to. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the machine shuts down. Sarag loses power. Like that's the end of it. And Maeve and Caleb go out. And they're just seeing like LA just burning. Buildings are burning. Um, I did get a sense of the this during the city collapse. It reminded me a lot of Fight Club, mm-hmm. the movie at the end. I don't know if you remember, but the part where um, Evernor's character and the actress in Fight Club. What? I'm just blanking on fucking name. 
Helen Mirren. No, not Helen Mirren. That's holy the, shit. I know. Totally wrong. <laughs> Where, she looks fucking crazy, though. Yeah, she looks nutsell. Oh, that's why I got to mix up Helen Bottom Carter. That's why yeah. I got to mix up Helen Bottom Carter and uh, Edward Norton's character are seeing the city collapse, and we got a kind of the same shot when Caleb and Maeve are on that bridge, and the city's are the city buildings are kind of like collapsing, exploding, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it kind of looked the same thing, even to the point where. Well, you hear Pink Floyd's uh, brain damage plays in the background, yeah. which is like the Pixies playing in the background in Fight Club. Which I'm, I mean, the, the brain damage part is not really—I don't say it's a negative because it was really awesome to hear it during that setting. But yeah. I still got a sense of Fight Club going on. I didn't, but then again, I don't really remember <laughs> shit. So you, I remember I did show you that movie like a while ago. It was a long time ago, yeah. Um, but that's not the end. So Bernard ends up at a hotel with Stubbs. Stubbs is blasting the chest, like ugh, bleeding and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And what's in the case, it's the key to the sublime, mm-hmm. which I just thought about this. I'm having a problem with that now because when they got in season two, the way how to get to the sublime, it was like this huge fucking machine that like you had to stand on this platform and put this thing on and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But now it's been reduced to like this little tiny Headband. Like headband. Yeah. Like so, a like a Caesar's crown, but yeah. like technologically advanced. Yeah, exactly. Uh so then yeah, uh Bernard puts his on, he sees a sublime, he kinda like knocks out, and we're like, all right, that's the end. But I, I thought that was the episode, but no, there's an epilogue. Mm-hmm. Fuck. So Will finds his way to Delos in Dubai. Um, he keeps spouting off, I'm going to save the world. I'm going to save the world. Like so repeatedly, like no lie. He says it like that. Um, so he gets inside the Delos building. He kills a guard. He gets into the research lab and that's where you find Charlotte where mm-hmm. she's now put together. Um, but like he's, like he said, she has like this burnt arm now. Yeah. Um, even Will makes a mention of it and, and she goes, you know, I want a reminder. Um, and he's going to kill her, but she says, no, 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 you're going to save the world. Will. And the men in black shows up. It's Will, but it's the men in black. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a sense of um, the old Westworld TV, oh, not TV, the uh, movie that came out in the late 70s where uh, Hugh Brenner played the men in black. Mm-hmm. So I got a sense of that when he came out, even though that's supposed to, that we kind of had that said in the previous seasons, but yeah. more so in this one. So they fight and Will finally fucking dies. Yes. Gets his throat slit and mm-hmm. bleeds out. Well, I don't want to say finally because we don't literally we don't see him dead. <laughs> we just see a throat slit bleeding, is and then like cut to we see like these uh, tubes or not these tubes, these uh, machines that's building more hosts. Yeah. So yeah. now like Charlotte's building like an army of hosts now. Oh yeah, all you see is like a, a room that doesn't end. Like yeah. all the lights come on forever and ever. Yeah, exactly. And we cut back to. Um, Bernard, he wakes up in the hotel, but now it's covered like in dust. Yeah. So we got a sense that like he's been there for like a couple months. Yeah, at least. At, at least for years. I don't think it's years. I think it's months because of all the chaos outside creates mm. like a lot of dust. Yeah, all those people kicking up all that dirt. No, well, I'm saying like <laughs> things are burning and like crumbling yeah. and stuff. It creates dirt. That makes sense. That so makes I sense. think it's been maybe a year. Yeah, it probably has been a year. Um, this is a great opportunity for them to like really leap the story forward. Like if they jump like I don't know, maybe ten years or something, and they get rid of Aaron Paul's wig. 
Bad. Like if he's bad. balding, just let him bald already. Look, they showed him like with his haircut really short, and he he's obviously balding, but he don't look so bad. But here, like that wig looked horrible. And you're just kind of looking like, yeah. I'm just thinking about you thinking about him and his hair, and I'm thinking about you and how you oh think about your hair. Oh my god! Yeah, but and see, you're I'm like, not, oh, I'm, he doesn't look so bad. Like, but I'm not on TV. But you should be. Oh well, thank you. You could always, in every single show or TV, mm-hmm. you could play Jeffrey Wright's brother, younger brother. I'm cool with that. Yeah. Just as long as I get, I get to hang out. I don't even have to be in the movies. I'll just play his brother in real life. You'll be his PA. Yo, I'll be his hype man. <laughs> Yo, Jeffrey, that's some dope ass road dog. Keep it no, going. I don't think, he, I think he'd punch you in the face. Yeah, he's not like that. I would just be like, hey, Jeffrey, that was a, a very profound performance. I really felt the emotions from that <laughs> that's a very articulate hype man <laughs> so yeah and then that's that's the end of the, the scene of the season so you have any overall thoughts on this season uh, oh yeah hmm. where the fuck did clementine go? oh yeah that's right <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I, I thank you for reminding me. Clementine and who else? Uh, Clementine and Hano Rio. Yeah, showed up. First of all, they've kind of like kind of been hyping up to this in, in the previous episodes, and then where like, we're like, who's it? Like, who's in all these people that they brought back? Yeah, yeah, theorizing like who's in like there's all these pearls and who else is in these pearls and stuff like that. And then we got the whole Dolores reveal. Okay, so. They got. They still got to bring back other people, right? In some form or some fashion, which they did, and they they tease that about like Maeve needing help. Okay, well Hector is no longer around because you know he's dead, and we're thinking, oh fuck, like who else is gonna be? And I, I remember telling you that it's gonna be Clementine or hoping it's Clementine, and then telling about how Joanna Robinson from for uh, Vanity Fair had this theory and all this kind of stuff, and then they show up and they come in, in like the most badass way, and then they're gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> like where did they go uh, right exactly they st- they're still okay it's, they're still around since there's a fourth season they have to come back for a fucking fourth season they have to show up i'll be so pissed if they don't you know what they probably were like oh we're out oh i'm not doing this anymore <laughs> maybe i ed harris had to be like that so he was like you guys killing me good i'm out I'm done with this shit yeah so Dolores is now dead, even though I can I can think of ways they can bring her back. But Dolores is dead. Maeve is still around. Bernard is still around. We don't know what happened to Stubbs because last time we saw him, he's in like a tub full of ice. With and like he's a, dying. And he's dying. Um, and also him and Bernard slash Arnold are like kind of he's like, I fucking hate you. Yeah. Bernard goes like, thanks for your help and stuff. Goes, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I don't know. He's he's. My guess is that he'll probably show up in the fourth season, in some form. Or fashion. You keep saying fourth season. I keep thinking of the hotel. <laughs> so they keep. They're all gonna show up at the four seasons. Yeah, the four seasons hotel. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. So back. So back to my my question. What did you think about the season overall? Uh, it was fun to speculate, but not as fun to. It wasn't executed properly. Yeah, I felt like... But like, it was fun in theory. Like, it's like that relationship you have where you 
put that other person on a pedestal and then they show their true colors and you're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And, and so like <laughs> yeah. the thought of that person was more fun in theory than the actual person themselves. Yeah. Like the whole, the whole lead up to this season seemed really good. Like the idea that like, oh, it's no longer in the park. We're seeing the future now. This is going to be hella crazy. You know, there's what, there's like a war coming. There's a riot. Coming. Even like the, uh, the trailer for the first season was um it was in a rendition of sweet child of mine and it was just like it hi- i remember it hyped you up yeah and i was just like yo fuck yeah and i i love every time westworld comes back i'm like fuck yeah i love watching westworld because it makes you think mm-hmm. but i feel like i got so much so much thinking and theological discussion about like you know what's your place in the world and stuff like that i feel like i got that more out of devs yeah exactly and devs had like little to no action in it Exactly. Well, it had some action in it. No, oh, that's a little to know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, it was all right, but there's a lot of characters that you know, I, I felt Bernard was wasted, Maeve was wasted. Clementine um, was wasted. Clementine was completely Hanriel wasted. was wasted. wasted. Uh, uh, Masashi was wasted. Even um, fucking Sons of Anarchy dude. Oh, uh, Collins. He was wasted. He was wasted. That was a great actor. Yeah. Um, Caleb was wasted. Caleb was wasted. I mean, even uh, Lena Waithe and. Oh yeah, Lena Waithe and um, what's his name? Marshawn, Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch. Yeah. They, I thought they were wasted too, because they were like these. I did like those characters. Yeah, they were like these two cool people that could really give you insight into like. Like the nitty gritty of the shit. Yeah, like how things are actually working. Yeah. And, and I think they tried to do that, but I don't yeah. think they did it well enough. So, like, yeah. it was like, cool, these two characters are cool, but they also kind of kill people. Mm-hmm. And that's all you really get. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Um, so, I don't, I mean, the way how they were building up this season, you could have swore this is, oh, well, obviously, people, uh, the way how everything was built up, you swore this was going to be the final season. And then they got greenlit for a fourth season. And uh, I don't know if I talked about this on the air. I know I told you about this. Um, when Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy uh, got signed on or came to HBO with this idea, HBO gave them the money up front for six seasons. Mm-hmm. And they're like, all right, cool. But the seasons have been declining. And that's why people have been theorizing that like the third season is going to be the last one because second season lost a lot of, uh, a lot of viewers. This season's lost a lot of viewers as well. So it was just like, how are they going to come back with the fourth season? So HBO's probably like, yo, I paid you for six seasons. You're going to do six fucking seasons, whether it's crap or not. Yeah, but I wonder if they let them out of the contract because, I mean, I'm wondering if they would let them out. Because, I, you know, like you give them the money up front, but as a, like, as an entity, you still have mm-hmm. to then pay for the production yeah. of it. Like you paid them yeah, as employees, but yeah. then you still have to shell out more money yeah. to pay the actors and the mm. whole entire thing. So yeah. then it kind of becomes like, do you take that loss or do you continue to lose? Yeah. I, Cause I, I think that because HBO is trying to get a show um, that's at the level of game of Thrones, game of Thrones was like, a was part of the culture of zeitgeist. They talked about, everybody talked about game of Thrones every single fucking week. Mm-hmm. And then Watchmen came along. Everybody talked about every episode every single week. But that is a beginning, a middle, and an end. 
mm-hmm. huge debate that's even coming back. So I think HBO is trying to find their next Game of Thrones, and maybe they're hoping that well, Westworld. Succession gonna... was pretty popular too, but it wasn't. Yeah, but like... not everybody can get into Succession. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know that uh, HBO was trying to make Westworld the next Game of Thrones, but it's not amounting up to what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, another reason why I thought this would be the final season is Jonathan Noll and Lisa Joy. They signed up with Amazon to do a series, so I figured they're going to be busy with that. Mm-hmm. But we got a fourth season coming along. Yeah, but maybe they like they're doing want like leapfrogging because like Probably, they, it yeah. takes so long in between yeah. seasons. They might work on Amazon and then come back to it. Yeah, and then maybe I don't know. Maybe this is um, maybe the end of the episode kind of is a symbol of maybe Jonathan Nolan, Jonathan Nolan, and Lisa Joy kind of like knocking down everything. Like, all right, let's. Let's, let's revamp it. Let's like, revamp it. Let's see if we can do something better. Let's try to go from what we got, but let's not exactly build off of it. Yeah. So I don't know, but um, yeah. I mean, it was like I said, it was just kind of like whatever. I, I'm more curious. I'm mildly curious about season four. What they got next? Yeah. If this was like an issue that you would have with your body, I would call this season indigestion. <laughs> Our geriatric cinematic for this awesome episode. Mm-hmm. Demolition Man. At the end of a century, ravaged by violence, a society of perfect order will arise. Criminals will be frozen and reprogrammed in cryogenic prisons. The prisoners are ice cubes. Their criminal instincts are being reprogrammed as they sleep. Aggression and deviant behavior will be totally eliminated. He's a criminal the likes of which you have never seen. In a bad time, he was the worst. I'm gonna love running this place. But in the year 2032... This morning, Simon Phoenix escaped from this cryo-facility. We are, quite frankly, not equipped to deal with the situation. Amidst a world of peace and calm... We're police officers. We're not trained for this kind of violence. How was the fiendish Simon Phoenix apprehended back in the 20th? In the end, it took just one man. John Spartan. You mean the demolition man? The IMDb synopsis is a police officer is brought out of suspended animation in prison to pursue an old ultraviolet nemesis who is loose in a nonviolent future society. Directed by Marco Brambilla. Brambi- Brambilla. Brambilla. Um, it's Brambilla, I guess. Well, two L's is usually a Y sound. Brambilla. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Excess Baggage in 97, Dinotopia in 2002, and Evolution Megaplex, which is a short in 2012. He hasn't really done a whole lot. Now, from my understanding, this dude made a couple movies, and he was just like, I'm out. (laughs) Like, that's it. I think he's actually like a game designer now. Yeah. From what I heard, yeah. Uh, Written by, well, the story itself was written by Peter Linkov and Robert Renault. Mm-hmm. Um, but the screenplay was done by Daniel Waters, who did Batman Returns. Robert Renault, 
who did Action Jackson. Oh, classic. And Peter Lenkov, who did La Femme Nikita. Oh, I remember that series. Yeah. He, he did a few. He was mostly a TV writer because mostly what came up in his IMDb mm-hmm. was like four or five episodes of different TV shows. Oh, okay. He's a television writer. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Uh, stars Sylvester Stallone as John Spartan, Wesley Snipes as Simon Phoenix, uh, Nigel Hawthorne as Dr. Raymond Cocteau, um, Benjamin Bratt as Alfredo Garcia, Bob Gunton as Chief George Earl, and, uh... And a few other people? A few other people. Mm-hmm. Why didn't I say Sandra Bullock? I, like, completely skipped over her. Did you really? Well, Sandra Bullock's in here. It's Lena Huxley. Huxley. Okay. <laughs> What? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Kelsey, mm-hmm. since this podcast has been built off of your lack of knowledge for film, yeah. What did you think about this movie? I didn't know what to think <laughs> at the end of it. Like, it was so weird because I kind of enjoyed watching it while I was watching it, uh-huh. and then as soon it was as it was over, uh-huh. I was like. What did I watch? <laughs> like, why did I like it? Uh, like, it didn't. The movie should not work at all. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like eating cotton candy. Like, yes. Like, it's sugary and sweet, and you should you kind of like it, but then you kind of like are just eating air. Like, yeah, it dissolves in your mouth and it's gone, and then you get that bad fuzzy teeth aftertaste exactly i totally agree with you 100 even though i hate cotton candy i hate cotton candy too yeah totally agree with you totally agree with you um so this movie is fuck dickulous first of all the movie starts like we're at the end of an action movie (laughs) like straight up you know the dystopian future because this movie came out in 93 the dystopian future of 1996 la is a hell everything's on why does everybody do that Everyone oh, turned LA, LA, riot. LA. LA riots happen. That's why the LA riots happened around '93. Yeah, but <sighs> even in the '80s, they were writing LA as like a hellscape. LA is not was not a pretty place in the '80s, oh. and some in the '90s. It was not a pretty place. Oh, okay. so I was just like, obviously, it's gonna be a hellscape. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the movie and gentrification th- happened. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> the the exact opposite effect. <laughs> so yeah, the movie starts off as this like action set piece where like, you know, it seems like um uh Sylvester Stallone's been after Simon Phoenix for years on end and now he's gonna get his man and shit like that. Uh one thing that I love about this opening scene mm-hmm. is like other than like Stallone coming in just like blah 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 shooting everybody with a beretta and like what two clips I think or something like that. Mm-hmm. Just you know, takes him out fights uh wesley snipes and gets him out of the building and the building explodes Mm -hmm. and it's a real building that explodes yeah like you can tell this building covered like at least one city block like it was like a huge manufacturing plant or something yeah yeah and this is a time in hollywood which is where they blew shit up Mm -hmm. and did not care yeah so i it just lets you know boom action that's it (laughs) he was fighting Mm-hmm. Wesley Snipes was. Wesley Snipes was. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what I said about him? Um, you you joked on his clothing, his his fashion sense. I said he looked like a Wesley Snipes wannabe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like 
he didn't <laughs> look like Wesley Snipes. He looked uh, like a knockoff Wesley Snipes. <laughs> yeah. I always thought it was funny that his, um, I don't know whose choice that was, but how he has blonde hair, bleach blonde hair. And two different color eyes. Yeah. There's like no, like there's no reason why that's a feature on the character. Like nothing. There's like no history behind it. No, like Well, nothing. I, wasn't that kind of a thing in the 90s too? Yeah. That was absolutely true. They were like, this guy looks like a bad guy. Look at him. Like that. <laughs> Dye your hair blonde. Ooh, mm-hmm. you're so evil. Um, one thing I want to talk about is how far ahead this movie was. It predicted the coronavirus. <laughs> it predicted that. Tesla? Uh, it predicted Tesla. It predicted, it predicted like iPads and shit. Like, I mean, even though Star Trek did that, it won't. But, yeah. but come on, I still did that. Uh-huh. Um, I thought it was so fucking funny how it, it you know what it also kind of predicted society going like almost backwards in a way where like civilization kind of grows up and wants to be better mm-hmm. and like more thoughtful and like more civilized mm-hmm. which it kind of does but then at the same time you would think like things that were taboo or prohibited or more uh, accepted mm-hmm. And it becomes less and less and less accepted as time goes on. Yeah, it becomes a it becomes a more um, like a close, like a closed society. Like um, the fact that like sex is not allowed. Um, do you need a license to have a baby? Mm-hmm. Um, you are giving uh, a violation for swearing. Mm-hmm. Um, no meat. And your favorite part, no spicy food yeah. at all. And it's like a, it's uh, and a they have like game. these little computers everywhere that yeah. like hype you up when you're feeling down. Yeah, there's one part <laughs> of the movie where like this dude is talking to this machine that's it's you know what? And that's so common now. That is common now that people like um if you talk to I don't want to say it loud, if you talk to Google <laughs> <laughs> Because I don't want her to respond. But if you say that and, and you're like, you know, tell me a funny story. Tell me a joke. You know, if you're if you're feeling down or, hey, Google, <laughs> I want you to like, you know, play some play something nice or whatever. And then the machine goes like, OK, it kind of did that. It did that in this movie mm-hmm. where there's a part in the in the movie where this guy's like, I don't know. I'm feeling pretty left down. I don't I don't think I can su- succeed. I'm oh, man. And then the machine goes you'll be okay. Everything will be fine. Blah, 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 blah. Like all that kind of stuff. <laughs> or, you know, that quote that I said in the beginning. Oh yeah. That's your, yeah. <laughs> was that, yeah, that was, a, that was from the machine. Yeah. Yeah. From the booth. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, so, Oh yeah. And you know, it also predicted that Taco Bell slash pizza hut became yo <laughs> the, the premier restaurant. Yeah. That shit is so funny. How, Taco Bell wins the franchise war that they um, that that everybody that everybody goes to. Um, there's actually a story behind that. So the reason why Taco Bell so Taco Bell was not actually intended to be the feature product, okay? But uh, the screenwriter Daniel Waters had an idea of having the the restaurant wars. The reason why he chose this as Taco Bell being the lone survivor in this war is that uh, he perceived them as a what's it called nadir of fast food industry due to the to their tacky advertising and low quality food so it's just like a parody of of you know of high high gluten food as taco bell well i wonder if this is the time that they had the yo quiero taco bell dog i oh maybe 
I don't, I don't remember when that advertisement happened. That advertisement was tacky, to, tacky as fuck. It was tacky, but I was a kid and I loved it. Oh, I thought it was God. hilarious. When I was a kid, I was just like, that's stupid. <laughs> um, so if you guys don't know, if people listen, if you if you don't know that, if you watch this movie, if you watch Demolition Man, the American, uh, I would say the American version, I guess, um, they say Taco Bell. But overseas, <laughs> they say Pizza Hut. It's Dove Pizza Hut. There are signs that say Pizza Hut, although not all the signs say Pizza Hut. You can see Taco Bell like here and there and stuff like that. Even the part where like Stallone and Sandra Bullock are served food is obviously Taco Bell. Uh, the reason behind that is because overseas, Pizza Hut is more well-known than Taco Bell. Like I don't think they had a Taco Bell at that time overseas. So they were like, all right, Pizza Hut. Yeah. Which is even weirder. Like, why would you make Pizza Hut? Well, also, it's kind of weird. You could tell when they like had the cars that had, it, obviously, mm. it was Taco Bell like signage on the car door. Yeah. It was very poorly like cut out. And oh, then, yeah. Like Pizza Hut inserted. Yeah. Like, I could tell. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Photoshop was not a thing back then. Yeah. Um, so, one thing that was really weird about this movie, and it, it wasn't pointed out back then, but you can actually relate it to, like, now, how uh, this world of, this future world of Demolition Man, it's like, I want to say this, if, like, the liberals took over. You know, everything is like, oh, don't say anything offensive, eat vegetarian, eat vegan, and stuff like that. Um, everybody thinks they have like a sense of fashion, but like Stallone is like the Republican. Oh, I want to eat meat. I want to fire my gun. I want to, mm-hmm. I want a high speed car. And he gets that at the end. Mm-hmm. And that kind of like relates to like now how people are just like, America is dying. I want to be able to, you know, smack a woman on the ass and eat barbecue, whatever I want and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. It's yeah. Like I want to protect my apartment that I pay low rent on from all those bad black people out there yeah with my gun yeah i want to go and get my nails painted you fucking idiot (laughs) all right so i actually did go to the beach this weekend but i didn't go yeah you actually didn't go out you like just went to like drive by and see it because you're smart yeah like i want the beach air yeah also i don't enjoy being out in crowds of people because people are stupid yeah and disgusting yeah they're gross (laughs) especially at the beach so you know stay Mm. in the car and drive down the beach and get the ocean air and the waves and uh, everything, but also don't interact with anybody. Okay. Win-win. <laughs> All right. So, Kelsey, what did you, uh, I mean, it's, I feel like I already know your answer, but what did you think about, let's go with the writing. What did you think about the writing of the film? The writing was a happy accident. Really? Okay. Please just... give me, explain, explain. I want to know this. It's, it's like, well, okay. The room wasn't intentionally funny. But uh, un- it was, it was a happy accident. Though. Oh, okay, okay. So it was unintentionally funny. Mm. This one was intentionally funny, mm. but I don't think that it's funny in the way that they meant. Oh, I got you. Yeah, because some of the stuff that happens in the future, like like you said, like we're talking about, like the booth and then like the Taco Bell, mm-hmm. that's like funny, but like that's not the like I I think they wrote that as like oh this would be funny. Yeah, like their joke, their actual jokes were mm. not funny. Yeah. But, like, the premise was kind of funny, and, mm. like, it was good-bad. Like, yeah. it was just a bad movie. Mm. So it was funny. Like, it wasn't... It. I think it wanted to be RoboCop. Oh, like a satirical kind of thing, yeah. But it wasn't. Like it, yeah. like, it wasn't RoboCop. It was, like, 
if, you know, like, Robocop and Beetlejuice had a baby. Okay. <laughs> okay. I could, I could, are, you, are you thinking about this because of Wesley Snipes' pants in the beginning of the movie? No, I'm not. But <laughs> okay. that's a good... That's that's a good one yeah, right there. Yeah, those striped pants, yeah. Yeah, because it was kind of wacky like Beetlejuice, yeah. but kind of like wanted to say something. Mm-hmm. Or like they see us or whatever. Yeah, like they like they try to... It felt like they try to say something, but really it was just like laughable. Yeah, they weren't really saying anything. They were. It was just like funny. Absolutely. Um, also, like the very beginning of the movie was kind of like dumb to me. Like, you don't want this guy blowing shit up all the time. Mm-hmm. Are, it, you ta- are you talking about the Demolition Man, which yeah. they call him that twice in the movie? Yeah, and they they don't want you. They don't want him. And <sighs> you're like, oh shit. Even back in the 90s, mm-hmm. you could tell if people were already dead mm-hmm. when something happened to their bodies or if mm-hmm. they were still alive. Or for example, um when when the uh, chief of police asked Stallone about like where about the, where are the bodies? And Stallone says, I did a heat, heat scan and nothing came up. Mm-hmm. What happens when you die? Your body cools down. Exactly. They never thought about that. <laughs> yeah, like, so what? You think he's lying? Like, uh, or like they didn't? They never did the investigation. Like, there hey, was no investigation. Yeah. There was no trial. It was just like, all right, he's lying. Send him a joke. <laughs> yeah. Goodbye. Like, or, or like, yeah, either not not that Stallone was lying, but like, oh, Stallone didn't care that all these people died. So, because he wanted to get that one man. Yeah. Which kind of goes with like the whole trolley theory that I've been kind of stuck with lately. <laughs> I like how I think I saw a video of this little kid mm-hmm. who was like, all right, kill all these people. What are you talking about? Oh, in the movie? No, no, no. They're on Facebook. Oh, fuck. What? Okay. <laughs> like someone tried it on their kid mm-hmm. and the kid was like, it switched the track to kill the most people. Okay. <laughs> frightening. Very frightening. Um one thing I always, I always, I still say, I still think it's funny, and it just shows how bad taste this movie can be. Not like bad taste in like discussing like oh that's so wrong, but that Sandra Bullock character, she's really into the whole nostalgia thing, which mm-hmm. is prevalent now. I mean, we love nostalgia. Yeah, we culture. like like vinyl records. And- yeah, uh, but she has like bad nostalgia taste. <laughs> like she like has a poster of Lethal Weapon three. <laughs> not even like the not even the mildly good one. Yeah, and then not she- one or four, which people usually remember one or four. I think people, well, people, I think they they seem to remember one or two more. Well, which one? Two. I can't remember two that well. Okay, we'll say one or four. Oh, number two. It's just been revoked. That's a line from the movie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll just remember it now. Um, yeah, they don't, oh, but I, uh, because at the time four had not come out. So it's understandable why they wouldn't have four. So, but she could at least have like one or two. Uh-huh. And then she has like a poster of like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like, uh-huh. Who the fuck would put that on their goddamn wall? <laughs> yes, I don't like Red Hot Chili Peppers. They suck. Whatever. Mm. All right. So um, a couple of things I found out about the movie. Oh, so we were talking about the cryogenic scene. Um, and I said that like, look, they're they're putting water and baby oil in there to give it like that sheen look and everything. And yeah. you said that that was dangerous, right? Super dangerous. Yeah, Stallone actually said that probably the worst five hours I've ever had on a movie set. Oh, well, sorry. 
He said this about the cryogenic freezing scene. He's, he says, quote, probably the most, uh, probably the worst five hours I've ever had on movie sets. I was terrified. Mm-hmm. So maybe he felt like he was drowning or he could have been drowning in that scene. No lie. The reason why they put baby, like childproof caps on baby oil mm. is because kids get into that stuff. Mm. And if they get it in their lungs, they're dead. Like, Mm, they okay. can't their body can't absorb oxygen then because oh, okay. their lungs are coated in it and you can't get it out oh okay okay gotcha. so i would understand why he would be afraid that makes sense um so here's a little bit of uh i don't know how true this is uh, it's imdb so you know maybe so there's always this running gag about the three seashells and people have wondered how does it work or where this idea come from. Uh-huh. So the screenwriter Daniel Waters said uh, that he was having trouble. He was having trouble thinking of uh, something futuristic for like the bathrooms. Okay, so I'll just go ahead and just read it. Uh, according to screenwriter Daniel Waters, the inspiration for the three seashell came, uh, seashells came about when he was writing a scene where Spartan has to use the bathroom. He was trying to come up with a futuristic thing you'd find in there. Uh, he was having trouble, so he called a buddy, another screenwriter across town, asked if he had any ideas. Ironically enough, that person was in a bathroom when he answered the phone, looked around his bathroom, and said, I have a bag of seashells on the toilet as decorations. Water said, okay, I'll make something out of that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where the three shells come from. That's funny. I, I almost would, as you were explaining it, I was like, I wish people wouldn't explain shit like that. Mm. And then as you continued, I was like, okay, I accept that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, do you know how supposedly it works, the three seashells? No. Um, I don't remember who they talked to, the director or the writer, but they say the way how it works is that when you're pooping, you use two to grab the poop out. <laughs> you don't need help pulling your poop out. And then the third one, using the scrape whatever's left. <laughs> I would probably just use all three to scrape it clean as much as I could. So that's how. Why wouldn't this? they just use a fucking bidet? They should have just like. Uh, maybe they weren't. Po- you know that makes more sense to the three seashells. Yeah, like a more futuristic bidet. I, I guess I didn't think that far ahead. Uh, so at one point, um, Stallone wanted Jackie Chan to play Wesley Snipes' role. But Jackie Chan, uh, he didn't want to take the role because he, he didn't like the idea of Asian seeing uh, of, of Asian audience seeing him as the villain. Yeah, and he never plays a bad guy. I oh, think he might have. I don't. I don't know much about. If he has played a villain, yo, I can't think of a single movie that he's done where he's played a villain. Yeah. Uh, so what else happened? Oh, so Sir Nigel Hawthorne, who played uh, Kato, um, he didn't get along with Stallone or Snipes at all. Really? Doing this movie, yeah. Um, I was I was happy to see Otho. Oh yeah, he is in this movie. That's absolutely right. Uh, oh, um, so there was there's a bit of um, comparison with this movie, with this and Westworld in a in a small way. Mm-hmm. Um, the if you guys really think about it, they're similar because um, this movie Demolition Man deals with the idea of like a perfect society and that you are like chosen to become like a particular role. And if you're not, you're considered like an outsider. Like in Westworld, they had outliers. And in Demolition Man, they kind of had the same thing with the people like underground. They call them scraps. Mm-hmm. Which, if you kind of really think about it, it's 
like I said, it's kind of ahead of its time because people call people who stick out of society, they call them scraps or wasteful or anything like that. Or like an outcast. Yes, an outcast. You know, like the musical band. <sighs> yes, Big Boy and Andre 3000, absolutely. It was two people? I thought it was three. I think you're thinking of um, Black Eyed Peas. No. No, Outcast only had two people. Okay. I mean, I didn't know them. Mm. I just liked their music. Well, Andre 3000. Hey, well, I know yeah. who those, I know who he is. Yeah. Because he was in Four Brothers. You know, I've actually never seen that movie. I know, and you said you don't want to. I'm going to make know. you watch that movie. Yeah, I know you are. Crap. <laughs> and I uh, think it falls outside our window, too. What do you mean? Oh, oh, I think it does. Shit. We're going to change the rules now. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Okay. Anything made in the last 30 years mm-hmm. doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. We're only, we're only, we're only seeing if movies appeal. They came out last year. <laughs> Gone with the wind. Yo, fuck that movie. <laughs> um, okay, so original choices for the film. Uh, Steven Seagal and Jean-Claude Van Damme. Van Damme won it. Uh, he was offered the role to play the bad guy, but he didn't want to take it. Um, he wanted a star, but he wanted uh, Steven Seagal to switch to play the bad guy. Mm. Um, that didn't work out, so bleh. Yeah, but Steven Seagal's played a bad guy before, and he plays a good bad guy. Yeah, recently he had he one he's a she's a piece of shit human being and two he's a horrible actor but yeah he has played a bad guy like once or twice yeah um so I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna tell you a couple of things <clears throat> okay so in the movie remember it's so fucking weird how they do this in the movie when John Spartan wakes up he's like I had a wife and then like five seconds later I had a daughter right mm-hmm. and they toy with the idea of like he might have that he has a daughter, but he can't. Uh, he hasn't looked for her yet. He hasn't found her yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. So during test screenings, audience thought that Sandra Bullock was his daughter. Oh man! And when they saw them hooking up at the end, the audience was just like, "Ew!" Right? <laughs> However, there is a scene. It's a deleted scene where Stallone, uh, Pen- Benjamin Brett. And Sandra Bullock, they go down into the sewers, and he meets a girl, and he finds out that's his daughter. Ah. Uh. And I don't know if you remember, but that part where like um, Dennis Leary and Stallone are talking, mm-hmm. and Wesley Snipes shows up, and they're like shooting at them and stuff yeah. like that. And there's a part where like you see Stallone covering a girl, like pushing her in the corner to like make sure she doesn't get shot. Mm-hmm. That's his daughter. Oh, okay. And she even shows up later at the end, standing next to Dennis Leary. But like they completely threw that out. They threw that out. There's a whole scene where like he can he meets her and talks to her. That would be way interesting. Well, here's the thing. Joel Silver. Joel Silver was a big producer in Hollywood in the nineties. He like produced like Lethal the Weapon. Uh um uh I think he produced like uh what's it called? Uh Die Hard, Boys. I know he produced Boy Scout, like these classic uh action ninety films, right? Mm-hmm. So they did this scene and Joel Silver watched this and he was like, that slows down the movie take it out and took the whole scene out oh man uh okay so then once the movie had ended and it was actually like a modern box office success and it has a strong cult following following there was a rumor that demolition 2 was going to be made and it was going to have uh john spartan and liana huxley together but they were going to fight jackie chan really <laughs> yeah uh but that never happened uh supposedly there was even a rumor that um oh no no i take that back it's not a rumor um, 
Joel Silver contacted, I think, uh, I think he contacted the writer. And, okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So during a recent episode of the Projection Booth uh, podcast, this happened last year, actually, uh, the co-writer, Daniel Waters, revealed that there was a sequel that they wanted to work on. And in the sequel, it was going to be Spartan reconnecting with his daughter, but his daughter was much older because he had been frozen, all that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So what happened was that Joel Silver contacted him and said, hey, I can do this sequel. Let's do this sequel. And we're going to get Meryl Streep to play John Spartan's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and Waters is like, yeah, if you, if you can do it, I'm all in it. But obviously that never happened. Yeah. However, we're getting Dem- Demolition Man 2 now anyway. Maybe Meryl Streep will be like, all right, I'll play your older daughter. But Stellan's pretty old now. So I don't know how that would work. Yeah. He didn't age well. Yeah, oh, that part of surgery did not do him favors, Mm-mm. like at all. Okay, so here's the question of the all questions. I'll ask Kelsey. Do you think it holds up? I will say for the right audience, it does. Mm, gotcha. Like it's not everyone's gonna love it, mm-hmm. but it's still fun. Yeah, it's an absolute fun film. Like I would, I would like to watch this movie in a theater with like-minded people. Yeah. Um, like I said, it has a strong cult following. I still love it. I mean, after you and I watching it uh, a couple nights ago, I was still like cracking up and just laughing how stupid some of the shit was. I know mean, you were laughing a lot, and I was kind of not laughing. Uh But I was in a bad mood too. Oh, oh. what? <laughs> but I did like it. Like it's, it was fun enough for me not to just hate it because i hated mm. kind of everything at that time mm. one thing i want to mention is that there are there are several times where john spartan and leanna huxley they end up either at the la coliseum no no i'm, <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. sorry yeah the la Col- is it the la coliseum the uh, convention it's, center yeah the la convention center they, they like like they okay they apparently kato's building and where they're freezing everybody is in the L.A. Convention Center. Mm-hmm. If you guys are from L.A., you'll see that building. You're like, holy shit, that is L.A. And also, they drive by the San Diego Convention Center at one point. Yeah, it's like they're driving around it, like, and around it, and around it, and mm-hmm. around it. Like, it was so weird because it was like you could tell they were just going by, but the scene drug on forever. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, like, it was weird. Yeah, and they don't even, like, they don't even, like, cover up the fact that it says, like, um, exhibit hall a exhibit hall b all that kind of shit i was yeah. like yo that's the that's the san diego convention let's knock that shit off <laughs> it's so ridiculous i think even their apartments were in the convention center their apartments were supposed to be in some type of like airport center or some shit like that like i, f- I forgot i read somewhere that it was- maybe it was lax <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sure. Yo, there. I remember there is one part where like they go into the L.A. tunnel, like the one that's off of like Broadway or something like uh-huh. that. And when they come out, they're like coming out of the LAX tunnel onto the 105, <laughs> and they apparently like drove like 30 miles, like within like a five sec, a five like a two minute span window or something. Uh-huh. That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> this is like L.A. geography. Like you're just like watching, just like I know that, I know that. That's L.A. Yeah, that's. And then that's you're LA. like, hmm, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. At least like in the beginning of Baby Driver, like 
no one knew that area, so... Yo, somebody actually mapped out I know. that car chase scene. They did. It was really awesome. Yeah. Um, so my, my take on this film is that, okay, it doesn't hold up. It does not hold up because some of the effects is really bad. Um, the one line they, there's there's great one-liners but sometimes they deliver like really bad like there's a part where where say snipe says you're dead spartan and then stone goes you forgot to say simon says it is like oh god <laughs> 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 however i still love it it doesn't hold up like to today to today's standard it's it's a product of the 90s absolutely product of the mm-hmm. 90s um but I still think it's fun to watch. What was the date? There, there's a date in the movie that isn't it related to your, your birthday or something. I think it's like the day he wakes up. It's like on your birthday or the day he goes to sleep is on your birthday. Yeah, it was like four years old or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like because uh, your birthday's on the 20th. Yeah. And you were just like, hey, it's my birthday. I was like, yeah, put still on the seat on your birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, after rewatching it, I, I still I, I, I still love this movie. It's still so stupid. But I wouldn't like really revisit it like a yearly thing. This is like um oh cool, it's on TV. I'll I'll watch Demolition Man. Why not? <laughs> All right. Um anything else you want to add to it? Uh no. Nope. All right, we're dealing with Demolition Man mm-hmm. forever. Till we see the second one. Ah, <sighs> yes. Or make you rewatch this one. <laughs> well yeah we'll revisit this one when that one comes out yeah exactly <laughs> we'll compare the two all right so that's gonna be it for our show for this week um we want to thank everybody for tuning in came along uh you can find us all on find us all you can find all the episodes on all podcast catchers uh spotify itunes all that kind of stuff stitcher. Don't for, stitcher don't forget to give us a review a five-star review it takes like 10 seconds to do a review on iTunes. And uh, next week, we've actually been pushing this off because I kind of have like these moments of ideas like, oh, we should do an episode like this. But finally, next week, we are going to do the classic Jackie Chan film, Police Story. I know you were asking me, you're like, what do you want to do? I'm like, I really want to watch Kung Fu. It's a great Kung Fu film. So great. Love it. Uh, if you guys want to, if you guys don't have a copy of it laying around, you can catch it on the Criterion channel. Um, if you have a subscription, or if not, you can find other means. I think you can find it on Amazon for like maybe like two ninety nine or something like that. If you got the chance to spare, um, the topic is meet the cop that can't be stopped. It won't be RoboCop because we already did that. <laughs> We're on a cop theme. If you think about it, we did. RoboCop. I know we've, we've been like trying to hold off on Beverly Hill Cop because we wanted. To like spread the new out. one to come out. Oh yeah, that too. Yeah, but we've been we want to spread that. But like we did RoboCop and we did uh, Demolition Man. Now we're doing Police Story, uh, which is another cop. Oh, we did um, Hard Boiled. Oh yeah, we did another cop. Yeah, we've been on this cop kick and shit. Yeah, but whatever. Forty eight hours, another cop film. That was a while ago. Yeah, <laughs> Lethal Weapon, a while ago. But hell, fuck it, great movies. <laughs> anyway, all right. So we want to bid you guys adieu. But um, I want to share some words of wisdom that came to me when I was a child in eighth grade. So I saw my friend getting beat beat up. He got his ass whooped. And, you know, I picked him up after he got his ass stomped in and everything. And 
the first words that I said to him. They came to me from Leanna Huxley, who's played by Sandra Bullock. I told him, he's finally matched his meat. You really licked his ass. (laughs) 